Generally Speaking About the Church, podcast episode number 100. Wow. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode, the 100th episode of the About the Church podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And my name is DG Hollins. And wow, I cannot believe that 100. 100. Wow. That's a lot of episodes of us just sitting here talking about the faith stuff. And I I haven't been here the whole time, but it's a privilege to be here. It is. It is fun, man. (laughs) Well, hey, uh, we are going to be talking about something that is interesting. Some things that have been going on behind the scenes. DG has not been able to share uh, until now. And uh, right. some big things happening in his life that I think now that, that he's allowed to share is going to uh, allow us to to get a little bit more insight and even talk about, you know, what does this mean to faith and 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 the church and, and all this other stuff. So, right. so DG, I, I'll just let you share it in the best way you think is possible. W- what's going on in your life, my friend? Well, I'm not gay. Well, there you go. No, just, <laughs> you always like throw out that, you know, super controversial. Yeah. I'm not gay. I don't worship Satan. And everyone is like the collective. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Come on. We want controversy. We want controversy. No, I, uh, I officially made a statement at the Foreign Johnny Methodist Church, which is the sponsoring church of the church that I'm doing. Uh, that I will no longer be appointed there starting June of 2010 this year. And so um, I will either be reappointed or in the entire state of Kentucky, uh, or I'm also looking into doing PhD work and, uh, and any other possibilities that might pop up. So, okay. So, so we just heard church lingo appointed United Uh Methodist church, you know, I might be reappointed and stuff. Put that, put it in my, put it in the language okay. of somebody who doesn't attend all this church stuff. That's cool. That's cool. So, what, what, are you, are you a pastor still after June? Yes. What, what's going on here? Tell, okay, tell right. me, man. And then in the Methodist church, all their pastors are moved every so many years. So that's called that. They call it an appointment. So you are appointed to a specific local church, but you're, are part of the itinerary system, which basically means you're not always going to be there. You're going to be moved every now and then. Okay. And, uh, and it's based off of the old model of being a circuit rider. Uh, so way early, early on in early American history and also in England too, but early American Methodism, uh, distinctively, they would have a pastor and they would ride on a horse and they would go to one town and there wasn't, there wasn't a whole bunch of pastors. And so that one pastor would go to that one town They'd do, you know, he'd do church a little bit stuff there. And then he would go to the next town and he would basically just tell that, you know, tell that family, hey, let's set up an a, an appointment to be able for me to come back, you know, next month sometime. And we'll do this all again. And then you guys can continue to be the church, but I'll come back a month from now. And so that's what they would do is they would be, they would just hop between town and town and town and they would call that a circuit. So okay. depending on how many of our towns were in a circuit, and that's why they were called a circuit rider, pastor, or preacher, because they would just go to towns. Well, it's 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 based off of that understanding that, but nowadays, of course, we don't, you know, have the horses and stuff like that. And we have plenty of pastors. But the idea is just that a picture of you riding around on a horse. <laughs> Dude, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be so much fun. But uh but Dude, uh, your horse just pooped in my driveway. Like, I know. <laughs> I'll clean it up later. <laughs> 
but uh, but anyway, so so that's the that's the idea of it. And so in the Methodist Church, uh, you know, you might be appointed to a specific local church. So you know, Florence United Methodist Church, where I've been appointed to for the past five years, uh, and they, you know, after so many years, they say, uh, okay, DG, we we might have a we might either have a better appointment for you which basically means you could get to climb up the corporate ladder and get a better pay and, you know, and, you know, you've put your time in and blah, 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 blah. Or they might be able to have a church that just would fit you better. I mean, you know, your gifts and graces are different than some other pastor's gifts and graces. And, you know, one pastor might be better at teaching as opposed to preaching. And there's a, there's a, there's a church out there that says, we think we might like somebody who would be better at teaching than preaching. And like, okay, okay, we've got those. And so uh, the great thing is, is, you don't have any church splits or if you do, they're just extremely rare in the Methodist church because if, if a church member doesn't like that pastor, then they know they'll just wait them out. Yeah. They don't have to go start their own because things will change eventually and they don't have to worry about it. So which, which in my mind, it's passive aggressiveness. And I just right. like, man, that just does not sound like a healthy church to me. Right. Well, that's, that's only true of, you know, okay. I mean, well, I say that it's only true. I think in every church, I, I don't think, care what I church you're church in, you're going to be have, healthy, right? I, I, I can see what you're saying. I don't, I don't think that it necessarily is always a healthy thing. No, and yeah. I think probably in the majority of cases, it's not healthy, right? Uh, but uh, just because there, there's there's a lot of hurt most of the time, there's a lot of pain most of the time because of all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was, uh, it, so anyway, so we, we just moved every right. so many years Gotcha. and, uh, and the waters, the church plant that I was doing, uh, primarily due to financial concerns, uh, is just not being able to support itself. And, uh, what we were looking into is for the waters to become its own 501 C three okay. and become its own nonprofit organization and continue to do that. Um, the problem is, 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 um, I just realized it's one of those things where as a, okay, here's an example. As a pastor, I know my limitations when it comes to counseling. Okay. You know, there's, there is a point if I'm counseling somebody that I know that you have just crossed over a threshold where I just can't help you as much as a professional counselor could. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I know my limitations and I know when to be able to say, Hey, the reason I'm doing this is because I love you and I think someone else can help you better than me. And I think that's the kind of the way I basically felt about it was, um, you know, it was becoming this 501c3 and I was going to have to raise, you know, all this money uh, by June and I was going to have to create the board of directors and, you know, just basically run it as a nonprofit agency. And I just, there was a, a large part of me that did not feel called to be an administrator and fundraiser primarily for the first five years of getting this nonprofit agency off the ground. I have more of a calling of being uh, of a, a cultural architect and a pastor. And of course a cultural architect is the word that I came up with it, but you know, to be able to, to be a visionary much, you know, much more so than the other stuff. And I just knew my limitations and I said, you know what, this is, you know, I think that if we continue to do this, uh, number one, I, you know, I don't know if, if, um, if, if we could even get those finances to be able to be in place in time. Uh, but number two, I don't know if, if that is necessarily my calling. To right. do that, so uh, through lots of discernment and prayer, and um, we, you know, did this, made this decision as a as a community and as a group, and um, you know, through the leaders of the waters, 
a little bit, but primarily myself, the district superintendent and the senior pastor at Florence Methodist church, uh, we made a decision to, to be able to say, okay, at, at least DG's part of it all, uh, will be ending in June. So now we're, now we're spending the next, um, five to six months, uh, deciding what is the future of the water is going to look like. And are we going to transition the ones that are a part of Florence into a small group ministry, or is that going to be taken over as a layperson's role and, and uh, do they want to continue to do what they're doing um, or, you know, just whatever that, whatever that's going to look like with what that's what we're in the process of doing right now is kind of helping that transition. And, uh, and the same thing's true of all the organic gatherings, the ones that are primarily made up of people who don't attend the church, right. That, you know, the waters is their community. And, um, and so we're, you know, talking to each one of those, each, each individual group is, is kind of their own entity, but, you know, letting them know that there are other ones out there and, they can combine if they want, or they can continue to do what they're wanting to do and, and, uh, and things like that. So that's what we're, that's what we're in the middle of. And so what that means for me is I'm probably going to be moving, probably going to have to sell my house. So if anybody really wants to buy a house in Northern Kentucky, Hey, <laughs> let's talk. Um, but, um, but you know, over, overall, you know, it'll probably, probably mean that I'm going to be reappointed. So I'll be moving somewhere, uh, either in the state of Kentucky or, or something else like that. Now, all the PhD work stuff that I'm looking into, um, like I'm leaving the um, the next to last week in January, I'm going to be going to uh, go visit Fuller, which is a seminary in California uh, that has a lot of cool stuff going on. And uh, so, and but the problem with all that stuff is, is usually all those PhD classes and stuff like that start at the end of September. Okay. And, uh, you know, there is no, there's no extending this appointment through September. There is no brand new appointment that just lasts from June to September. Right. So if I did really feel like God was wanting us to do that, then I would have to take a leave of absence, which meant that I would not be able to do any ministry at all other than, you know, like, you know, I could go to a church, of course, but I wouldn't be able to do any pastoral, any things, um, because I'd be you know, on a leave of absence and I'd have to find my own job until that time period. Well, I don't know too many people are going to hire you just from June to September. That would pay enough for us to be able to cover our, you know, housing costs and, and, uh, health insurance. I find my own health insurance and everything else. So, so, uh, and of course, right in the max step, the smack dab middle of all this, we're right in the middle of the adoption process. So yeah, I don't know if I really want to uh, start a, uh, a PhD program the same year that I'm getting a brand new, you know, baby <laughs> in our house as well. So, uh, but we're, you know, I'm, I'm talking to people and, and, uh, praying and, and, uh, get, get, get to go talk to the, uh, to the Bishop and, and, uh, kind of tell him, you know, a little bit more about what I feel my passions are and, and, uh, where, uh, the best place for those passions to be lived out in. So, so big changes, big, big changes, which probably means I won't be in studio to be able to do the about the church, you know, uh, sometime around June, we'll have to do it over the phone, uh, or Skype or whatever else. But, but, um, but I'm, you know, it's just, it's great to be able to have a decision made and taken care of. And now we can move on. Does that make sense? Instead yeah. It all just constantly being in limbo and, and, um, and being this big, huge question mark of whether we're going to make it or not. And, and uh, how we're going to raise all the money and everything else like that. It was just, uh, I just, I realized, I just had to come to the realization, you know what, I'm just, I'm, that's not my calling. And, uh, and the support 
that would be required for something like that to occur um, was not necessarily going to be there, you know, so we would have to do everything ourselves, you know, financially and, and everything else. So, so anyway, that's a, uh, it, and, and that also explains why, you know, the Praxis podcast has basically been on hiatus and, yeah. you know, and, and, and everything else. There's just, my life has just been one big, huge question mark. And, and it still is a big, huge question mark for me and Tiffany a little bit. Uh, but, but it's nice to be able to, to take care of things. Now, the cool thing is, is, uh, the conference has decided, um, to, um, to continue our relationship with the coach that they hired to bring on board. And so the coach is going to walk, uh, us through, and, and this is, uh, which is a great idea. I'm glad the district superintendent suggested that, um, that he's going to walk us through. I, I just, I just told everybody, he said, my greatest worry is that, no one's going to learn from this, you know, that, that I think this was a success, even though it didn't get to co- actually come to fruition. And I, I hope that we can learn from this. That's the greatest worry is that no one's going to learn from, they're going to just say, Oh, we did something weird. I'm not sure what it was. And, um, and we'll just move on. Tell tell me what, di- what have you learned from this? Man, just tons, man. I can't even express to you the, the importance, uh, you know, we took a chance that basically just said, what if church was not based around a worship service, but based around building community and relationships? And what would that look like? And this was just one attempt to try to be able to, to be more intentional about putting a focus in a different area. Now, don't get me wrong. I think worship services do create community and, and have a wonderful uh, kind of community. Uh, but it was just something different that we felt was that we felt was needed in our own hearts and our own lives. And, um, and so I, I think that that is still a huge, huge, uh, thing in, in the kingdom and in the world and the church right now that, that it, whatever your church is and whatever your church is doing that, uh, to, to be even more effective at, uh, developing relationships with, with those beyond the walls of your building and, and beyond the connections that you already have with your church members or your church friends, um, the necessity that it is to be able to put a focus on relationships and community, man, um, it, just amazing to be able to have that as an emphasis, you know, it's not about a program, it's about people and it's not about, you know, a single worship service, but more about finding out what is worship as a lifestyle and then can you live, can you find worship, you know, at the little league baseball game, you know, and, and realizing that every single human being is another opportunity to develop, to develop a friend and a family member. I mean, that's, it really is that case. Um, and you know, and not for, not for the purpose of trying to convert them, <laughs> but all for the purpose of just living out who you are as a Christian by just loving everyone. Yeah. And, and, um, and putting aside things that might, uh, frustrate you or, uh, or make you mad or that you did disagree with morally with somebody and putting those things aside enough so you can just love them <laughs> and, uh, and, and to see how that love, just that connection of relationship and that amount of love put into a communal understanding, um, is just awesome. And, and to create a space that allows for people of different faiths uh, to be able to seriously and, and, and honestly without 
uh, without any inhibitions, be able to discuss the Bible uh, is just awesome. Right. You know, to, to be able to say, yes, we actually want a, a secular humanist and a Buddhist to give their opinion about the words of Christ here. And we're not telling them that, that, that they're wrong. We're allowing their voice to be a part of this conversation, this discussion. And they're seeing that, that the reason that I live the way I live is because I'm trying and attempting to live by these words or by this Bible. And uh, I might not be doing it perfectly or right, but they can see who I really am in the midst of that. And that community that was formed was unlike anything I've ever experienced. I mean, it was just, um, it's just powerful. So, you know, I think those are the, some of the things that, uh, that I think any church could learn from. Like, I mean, I just, like I've been handing out the ministry action plan for the waters to give to anybody that would want to read it to be able to say, Hey, use this, you know, <laughs> modify it and morph it to where it might be, you know, just use, if it's just one thing you pick out of there, what would that one thing be that you could be able to to make the make the kingdom a little bit uh, better for your area where you live and your church and your house church or your small group, whatever else it is. But one of the things I really, really appreciated is the fact that we stopped saying, let's share prayer request and just started saying, what's up with your life? And that we had the expectation that everyone else in the group is going to ask themselves, what are we going to do about it and how can we help? Yeah, I like that. I mean, that was just tremendous to be able to have the response, you know, so you have, you know, you have, you've got, you know, all these people of multiple faiths that, you know, you would think, well, they never give money to this or help out with this or whatever else. But when they see a a friend of theirs beside them that needs a headlight for their car and uh, they work the night shift and they can't get to work without driving their car there and they're scared about getting pulled over for having to pay a ticket they can't afford you know, every, literally everybody in the group reaches in their pocket and pulls out five, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks in some cases, hands it to the guy, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> well, it was community. It was ecclesia, you know, what, just the, the most beautiful piece of community I've seen in a long, long time. So doing, doing, would you call that what you're talking about there, doing church? Is that what you're saying? You know, this is, the waters is a church. Would you say that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, so so sure. th- so these groups that get together, formed in very community, you know, community driven places, and and not necessarily revolving around a worship service, uh, and and not necessarily with the requirement that you know that everybody in attendance is a believer, and certainly without sure. the understanding that we're here to convert anybody, and we'll even allow somebody to come in and share a view that is inaccurate at least in the eyes of the church but not be corrected do you have any issues and and can you give an example of what you would say to somebody if they have asked you this question is how do you call that church isn't that just a bunch of people getting together eating a meal right and uh yeah i would call it church (laughs) first of all do you have you ever got that kind of response oh yeah definitely i mean a lot of the responses aren't you just hanging out and I mean, you're just hanging out, dude, right, this, uh, this isn't church. Yeah, exactly. And one of the response, I love the response that I always used to get. It'd be like, well, when are they going to come to our church? Right. Okay. And, and, and that was, yeah. that was one of the responses, especially from the people in Florence, uh, United Methodist church, because they're like, well, we're sponsoring you and we're, and, you know, you're creating all this space. When's well, that when, tithe money coming in? Yeah. Well, <laughs> not, that, you know, not that they've asked that, but no. I've been in other places where I've done cell church and right. it's like, Ooh, we don't, we're not seeing any benefit from this. Exactly. I'm yeah. like, 
Dude, come yeah. on. Go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. And, I didn't mean to interrupt and, you. No, and the focus <laughs> of that is, you know, well, are we looking for a benefit for ourselves or for the kingdom? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the question. You know, are we are we doing these things so we can self-preserve or are we doing these things because we can, you know, help share the gospel of Christ? Or are we doing things to benefit ourselves or are we doing things to benefit others? Right, exactly. You know, not. I mean, because you know, are we doing things to benefit the non-believer? Are we doing things to benefit them? Right, exactly. Yeah. So, but uh, and it wasn't anyone's any one single person's fault, of course. I mean, it was just uh, you know, we knew at the very beginning that the conference was going to give us money, and the expectation at the very beginning was that we were going to be a church plant. And so, you know, when we first started out this thing, we were going to do the whole. All right, we're going to have Bible studies in this area of town, and then we'll probably rent out the you know, rent out the school auditorium and start the worship service. And, and, uh, you know, so that was a part of the plan that, that maybe there would be a worship service then. Oh yeah. That was the very, very beginnings of the stuff is I was just doing what I was kind of told to do because this is what they've done in the past. All right. Uh, but knowing what you know now, do you think that that's still a part that should be a part of an action plan or is just being that community together (laughs) enough? Yeah, I think, I think that it, I just think it's different. You know what I'm saying? I don't think one's good or bad or better than the other one at all. I'm not asking that. I'm yeah. talking about for you. Oh, no, no. That, but I have to these, clarify that because there's a lot oh, of people okay. that want to separate that out and say, no, no, no this one's better, this one's better, this one's better. Yeah. And I've never, I've, and that's, the, that's one of the other frustrating parts about it too is, you know, I'll say something like I'll try to call the waters a missional church because when it comes to funding, we really should be seen like a mission. We're not going to be getting a bunch of money ourselves from ourselves. It needs to be coming from the outside. Now, I think, you know, 20 years down the road, then yes, we would start being able to see the money come from within. But it's a 20-year process with, you know, the way we chose to be able to be church and to do church. Uh, and so I and, and so I get a lot of kickback because a lot of people in their minds are thinking, nope, you, you're doing something too weird. It's different than this. And every time that you talk about how great it is, for some reason they feel like they've got to, they've got to back up the old ways. And what I'm saying is, no, there's nothing wrong with the typical way of doing a church plant. There's nothing wrong with being in the existing church. I'm just another example of being church differently Yeah, to, to be able to meet a different generation or to be able to meet a different people. I mean, that's, that's all I'm doing. It's just a vision that God's laid on your heart and you want to carry it out in the way that God's put on your heart. And exactly. we're all different. And, and the, the thing is, is if you talk to Doug Pageant and Tony Jones, which are the two big, they're two big voices within the emerging or the, the emergent church. And if you hear them talk, a lot of them, a lot of times they will get up and say the existing church, uh, especially denominations are too filled with polity and they're going to die. Mm-hmm. They're already dying and they're going to die. You guys need to jump ship and start doing church differently. Right. And here was an example with the waters. And I think this is the reason that, that uh, the previous senior pastor now were asked to speak at conferences. But here we were an example of an emerging church from within an existing church. And we were coexisting. We were proving everybody wrong that you can be able to have different flavors of church from within a denomination, within an existing church. For a period of time. Right, for a period of time. And that's, and I think that's what, and that's, but that's the, one of the frustrations is every time I turned around, someone, and I think they would do it unknowingly, they would say, oh, wait, you call yourself this, but 
you know, you, you say that you're reaching a bunch of people, but a typical church plants reaches a bunch of people too and brings them to Christianity as well. And I'm like, I never said that they did it. You know why do you feel like you've got to put up the, this, this fight wall? Because I've never said that. All I've ever done is to said in my own experience, this has been so effective, but it is a long, long, long-term understanding and, uh, and and we need to be able to make breathing room for things like this to occur do you within think, the church. Do you think, DG, that w- this vision that you have, do you think it has a chance going long-term, lasting a full you know, 20, 30, 40, 60 sure. years? Of course. In, hold on, I haven't finished the question. Oh, okay. In a, being a part of and, and funded by and 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 put inside of the traditional model. Of course. You believe so? Yeah, cuz we did it. And the only reason we're not doing it right now is the is the recession hit and the and the churches and the ch- the main church Florence Church uh that was really being doing a large chunk of that funding just could not be able to do it anymore because people weren't giving to that existing church. You know, as much as what they used to because of the the recession that we're in. I really believe that if you have a church that that catches this and realizes what it is and it's not something to be hated or attacked or, or you know, it's allowed to breathe uh, and you get enough people. And I think that's the thing that's beautiful about the emerge, the existing churches. They do most cases have the money to be able to fund these things, but I don't have to just start from scratch. I can be able to, uh, you know, be part of a vision of an existing church to do things differently and to be differently uh, all for being able to promote the kingdom in a different and unique way. What does it cost to fund something like this? I mean, it's just a bunch of people and and I'm playing somewhat devil's advocate here. Very cool. Uh, you know, what does it cost to fund something where you just got, you know, somebody out here organized people in restaurants? I mean, right. really, what does that cost? Uh, well, the, the, the total cost of the waters was right around $75,000 a year. Okay. So, uh, but large part being salary of the person who had headed up. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, 60 to $65,000 of that is me. Mm-hmm. $30,000 a year salary, pensions, health insurance, when insurance is just ridiculously high. It is. And, uh, and the housing allowance. And those are all things that are required by the Methodist church because they've said, Hey, We've made all these elders go through a lot of stuff to become an elder in the Methodist church. We're going to take care of our pastors. And here are the minimum requirements for, a, you know, a, a, a pastor in the Kentucky conference. Right. Every conference is different. Every conference has a different minimum salary, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, which makes sense. I mean, you live in a different part of the country. You're going to have different living costs. And stuff like that. But, um, but, but if you took me out of the picture, if you took me out of the picture, the costs of this ministry are, are minuscule, you know, 20 to $25,000, $30,000, uh, max. And that includes website upkeep and, and, um, and, uh, and everything else. Let me ask you this. And most of, and most of that money, and here's another thing I, I, you know, and this is another thing that, that freaks out a lot of other people. A lot of people see you later, professor. Ray. Uh, a lot of people, uh, have had, they've had real issues with me because they look at the ministry costs of the waters and the majority of those costs are food and coffee and appetizers and dinners. And, uh, and I've had a few people accuse me of misappropriating those funds. And I'm just, and I, and, and so what I tell them is, listen, you know, I did, I don't have to spend money to rent out a building. 
I don't have to spend money about hiring a, a, a praise band or a music director uh, or a youth children's director or something like that. So all the money and, and I don't have to pay for electricity and air conditioning costs and heating costs and stuff like that. So if our focus is on people, we found the most effective way to develop relationships with people is over a cup of coffee or over food. Just something to be able to say, let's come together and let's do something. And instead of me going out and buying a board game, I bought food. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot easier and a lot simpler to sit down at a coffee shop and develop a relationship with somebody or a pub or wherever else. And uh, and so in, in a lot of the groups, um, a lot of the life gatherings they were doing all that stuff on them on their own selves. They would have potlucks and, you know, and they would, and one person would sponsor it and come to my house and I'll cook or, or I'm just making snacks tonight. We're not doing a big, you know, food thing or whatever else. Now the organic gatherings that I'm leading that are primarily made up of people that are unchurched or normal is what I'd, I'd prefer the term. Um, th- you know, a lot of times I'd buy an appetizer every night because a lot of these people don't have any money whatsoever. And, um, and there's one group that I've been started at, at city Heights at I dispense. And, you know, the first three months I'd bomb meals because I mean, this is, you know, really underprivileged government subsidized housing kinds of people. And the only way I'm ever even going to get them there is to be able to, you know, offer some food. <coughs> but, um, but no, it's super, super cheap. <laughs> yeah. Super cheap. So, I can't imagine, you know, name any church out there that, you know, works with the operating budget of $20,000. That's an existing church. Uh, that's not doing things, you know, weird and wacky like we're doing it. I mean, that's, that's really super cheap. What if, what if somebody's out there, DJ, and they have a heart and a passion to, to do the kind of ministry that you're doing, uh, you know, but they, they have a full-time career that, that does pretty well for them. But they, but they certainly have a heart and a passion. And during their free time, they'd love to devote themselves to something like this. Oh yeah. Do you think this is something somebody could take your action plans? And you know, given that they, you know, they personally they make 120 grand a year, and their houses, I mean, they they've got their finances in order. And right. this isn't. Is it possible for somebody to go out and create something like what you're doing without the support of the traditional church? Absolutely. Yeah. Of course, and it's happening all over the place, and, and, and if anything, uh, that's where it's that's where it usually is thriving and flourishing is not in the existing church and or in denominations. Uh, that's where all of these ways of being church are being done, and they're being done, you know, pretty decently, effectively. Um, so, so yeah, of course. I mean, this, <laughs> and of course, because really then, then you then you could have something like that, and it and it starts out, and and there is no pressure from the I guess pressure from the inside to right. make things happen and then all of a sudden things grow and it's like man uh, you know this is great but whew, we sure do need some organization and some administration because things are growing sure and then all of a sudden pulled resources is like you know what I, I've been doing this part-time but you know what I think that I might you know yeah, you want to do course. part-time I'm going to do this and, and bring in start a, a salary and and, and that the church could then fund itself exactly yeah they can you know do the 501c3 status and, you know, and all that stuff. I mean, of course, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a given. I, I do think that there are just, there are some benefits about being connected to an existing church or denomination. There's benefits of not being connected to, right. to denomination and to an existing church. And I think that this is, um, this has the potential uh, to radically change um, all these rural churches that are dying all over the place because they can't fund their church building anymore. They just can't finance 
you know, having to replace the roof and replace the, you know, air conditioners, the boilers down, you know, downstairs. And stuff like that. I think it can radically change little small communities because they already understand community. They just need to make it healthy. Yeah. And, uh, and I think this is phenomenal to, for a super large mega six flags over Jesus church <laughs> could be able to take some of these things and, and implement it within their small group ministry or, or implement it within their house church, you know, ministry. Um, I think that, you know, there's, there's, it's just limitless. And I've told everyone that this is, um, this is open source. <laughs> I'm not charging anybody for this. This is Where, really is for the kingdom and for God. You know? If somebody wanted those to, to talk to you and get in touch with you about getting the, the action plan that you've talked about a couple of times, how can they contact you to get that? Uh, you know, just send me an email, dg at th3waters.com, and, uh, and I can send it out to you. Awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, I, there was some thoughts there. Like, you know, for the past five years, I've been writing discussion guides for uh, on a weekly basis for all the for all the gatherings that, are be, that have been meeting. And um, and I was talking to one of our coaches, and you know, back when we were trying to find money, you know, how to fundraise, fundraise for the money and stuff like that, one of the thoughts was, he goes, man, I'll tell you right now, I know four uh, pretty large churches that would pay you a monthly, you know, payment if they could just use your curriculum. Mm -hmm. Because he said, because your curriculum is written not in a typical Bible study method. Your curriculum is written with, you know, using Lexio Divina and, and talking about what's up with your life and, and, and everybody else's expectations. How can we help? What can we do about it? And yet it's still based around the Bible and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, and, and so, you know, that's, that's out there too. Although I kind of, I, I kind of would like to talk to, you know, somebody, I'm not just going to hand that out for free because I just want to make sure that it's going to be used in the good hands. And, and, and also, you know, I've, I did some, I did some, uh, you know, in all my research that I write in those discussion guides, I quoted a bunch of people and a bunch of commentaries and, you know, and stuff like that. And I didn't ever write down like exactly what commentary it came from and things like that. So, you know, I don't want any of that stuff to be reprinted anywhere because, you know, they'd be calling me plagiarism or something like that. And I don't want that to be there. Right. Um, of course, I, I gave the author credit, but I didn't ever do the, the full stuff saying, you know, it came from this page, this book, copyrighted this time. and you know, stuff. Right. And I just I respect those authors too much to just say, here, you know, hand it out. Right. Of course, pastors do that all the time in their sermons and never give any credit anywhere. But um, uh, but it's not ever really ever in print necessarily. It's always just spoken. Right. But anyway, so, so you got between now and June, some things are going to happen. You got to be put into place and, and I'm sure God was, it will kind of clear a path for you and, and yeah. you, you'll, you'll make it through. But, uh, sure. So after June, you have no idea, no clue right now, which direction you're going to be going in. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I've always been the kind of guy that, uh, doesn't have a problem with leaping faith. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really have never been uh, a, a guy that has an issue with that scarily to my wife, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and to my family, of course, they're like, oh, my gosh, you don't know what DG's doing or where he's going to go. But it's just because, you know, I'm open to God to go anywhere and do anything, you know, and and uh, and to hopefully, you know, bring about um, a, a shared passion for the things that I'm passionate about. You know, and, and the more and more I think about it, the reason I'm even looking into the Ph.D., uh, work and possibly teaching at a seminary level is the, you know, the two things that I'm, I'm really, really passionate about is, is number one, just, it, it just, it's just comes natural to me to develop relationships with normal people. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's who I am. I'm just such a people person and I love getting to know 
uh, new people and different people and from all different kinds of cultures and faiths and all kinds of stuff. And so that is just a huge passion of mine and um, is to be able to do that. And the second passion of mine that I'm finding more and more um, is that I'm, I really love teaching, but the only reason I really love teaching and like speaking at all these conferences and stuff is because I'm, I'm begging for, I'm begging for clergy, especially in the United Methodist church to remember how to dream with God. I think that a lot of young clergy and, and, and older clergy too have forgotten how to dream with God and they've just started living into a polity. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're just like, okay, this is the way it's always been. This is the rules we have to follow. And not once has, you know, and not once people all over the place to do it, of course, but I want to encourage people to be able to say, okay, this is the polity and this is what we have to follow. What is, what would God want us to do in the midst of this? And should we add something to this? You know, should we take away something to this? And, and that's, that has become a huge passion of mine. And I think that one of the ways that that passion could be able to be lived out to give a voice, especially to young clergy, especially in the Methodist church is to, to be able to, to teach at a seminary level, to encourage that dreaming once again, to be able to encourage them to be able to say, maybe my life could bring about a change that would truly affect the whole world and uh, for Christ and, and, um, and for the kingdom and to bring about that dreaming, I'm just begging people to remember to dream and to start dreaming again um, with God, not dreaming for God, but dreaming with God. And so, th- with those passions in mind, I'm, 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 you know, I'm going to go to the bishop and and the district superintendent and everybody else I possibly can and be able to say, hey, with that in mind, where is my place in the kingdom? And I, I'm looking forward to seeing what God tells you and, and, and tells the cabinet and and everybody else about what that dream could actually be uh, for the sake of changing the entire world. So awesome. You know, you're talking about dreaming and uh, sister, uh, the scene from sister act two came to mind. Have you ever seen that? I've movie? never seen sister. I've seen sister act, but I've never seen sister act two. Oh dude, go, go rent it right away. Okay. Seriously. Maybe it'll be on Netflix now. You know, I can automatically stream it. it that might be, it yeah. might be, but anyway, check this out. Um, she goes to this, she goes to the school that's really struggling in the inner city. You know, she's, she has to be hidden again, you know, protect, you know, witness protection, kind of like, oh, the first okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. anyway, uh, so she's, she's pretending to be a sister again right? and it's, it's a Catholic school, Catholic high school, I believe. Okay. And, uh, the, these kids are showing us like, and, and the mother superior and the, the head father of the, the school, the principal of the school, they were talking about what can we do? And she goes, um, well, maybe you just need to have some kind of community sports and stuff like that. What about this? And and he he mentioned a certain sport, and the and the head Montenegro says, "We don't have the balls for that." <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's that, funny. But it's, it's the whole That's idea. Hilarious. It's like you know, what we, we can't do that because we don't have this, or it, right. we haven't ever done that before. It's like right, you know, dream. And, and, and I'm the kind of I, I just I think that that's the way God wired me is to do the things that might not have been done but you know honestly what i'm doing is has was originally what wesley did yeah i mean it was like the very birthings of methodism that he had just he had a method to what he's doing that's how we got our name he was maybe a little bit too methodical that's the reason people thought he should just call methodist but but i mean it's all we're doing we're creating we're creating a place for people to ask questions of christ that's a not daunting area 
but we're also attempting to truly live life together and care for one another. For God's sakes, and for the sake of other people, care and love for one another. It's it's awesome. It's so simple and so yeah. difficult to do, to really do, because it gets dirty down there. Yeah. Uh, but man, it's just, it's awesome. Uh, it's it's just awesome. See. And I love inspiring pastors. Thank you, Amanda. I mean, that's that is that is truly a, a, so much of, so much fun for me to speak at conferences and stuff. Uh, it's just it, I get energized in the midst of it. I could see DG as a as a pastoral consultant going around and and just you know you you make your living going around and just being a, a consultant to inspire. Oh, that'd pastors. be awesome. I just I don't think I, I don't think I've made a big enough splash to be called upon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just you never I, know. I tell you what, I, I listen to Dan Miller a lot. He's like, listen, you don't wait for people to come and tell you that that you know, you don't wait for permission to do it. You just get out and you do it. And if you can inspire somebody and you're you're a couple steps ahead of where they are, it doesn't matter where yeah, you that's are. True, that's true. If you're a step ahead and you can tell people how to get, you know, a few steps ahead, then yeah. it, it's worthwhile and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I called myself the podcast answer man way back when I was doing this as a hobby that's right, and now that's today right. people pay me a lot of money to help them get to a certain level and am i am i a am i the smartest person do i know the most about podcasting and new media absolutely not right so dude you know dg in, in june is gonna get us he's gonna get on his horse and go riding <laughs> i am from texas although i've never owned a horse so, DG, you know, after June, I, I have to ask you, are we, you're going to stick around. You're going to be here for the next hundred? Dude, I'm, I'm here for the next thousand. Awesome, man. <laughs> awesome. That's, this is uh, too much part of my life. It's already been that way, and it's going to be that way. So Very cool, man. You know, if we get too busy, too crazy, we might mess a week here or there, but yeah, I'm here. That I'm happens. Here for the long haul, man. Awesome. Well, folks, uh, obviously, you know, uh, some thoughts and prayers are would be a great thing for our, our brother here. Sure. And uh, thank you. You know, and if you have a couple hundred thousand grand sitting around, you know, I know I know a baby that's looking to be adopted and, and a guy right. that could use some funding for some schooling. That's right. And, you know, and Cliff, too. Uh, if you've got a if you got a couple hundred thousand laying yeah, around. Yeah, if you got a couple hundred. I mean, help, I mean, us, help two brothers out. Toss us know? both a bone. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, no. The, um, you know, if you guys are interested in getting a hold of DG, the, the email address one more time is? At DG at TH3, the number three, and then waters, plural, dot com. So TH3waters.com. Uh, just DG at the front, D period, G period, but to leave out the periods <laughs> is my name. And uh, Praxis Podcast is still out there. We just need to put some new ones out there, but we got some good stuff coming down the line. And uh, pray for another church in your area that's not in your own. That's right. Become a Plus member. <laughs> Join the community. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody.